Hello, and welcome back to Wardcast episode 266. It's been a while. I'm your host, Dylan Alvento, and I'm joined by the esteemed, ever-present, everyone's favorite ginger, Alexander Damrath. How are you doing, Alex? Wow, that's high praise. High praise. I know, and I mean, like, you know, I come from a family of gingers, so you know... I'm speaking from the heart. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, actually. Mom's a redhead. Grandma's a redhead. Uh, got some aunts that are redheads. Yeah. Very cool. Very the, cool. The Scotch, the Scotch Irish runs deep on the, the mother's side of the family. Yeah. I've only ever heard about the Italian side of you. So, well, like, it's... It's it's culturally very dominant, you know? Like, right. it's, a, it's It has an outsized presence. Um, I, I went down a rabbit hole the other day let's let's start let's start this second this year podcast was just a <laughs> non-video game related rabbit hole i went down a rabbit hole about you know genealogy and ancestry and stuff i went way down this rabbit hole in like 2020 or something because i like got a like temporary ancestry.com account before they like make you pay for one. Oh yeah um, of course but this year because i've always heard the term scotch irish in reference to like people's ancestry uh that are both scottish and irish but like you don't refer to someone from scotland as scotch right you refer to them as like a scott or or yeah or scottish or scotsman's um scotch is the booze dylan exactly uh so i was like is this just like a classic american like blunder where we just like took the english language and butchered it in some way so i like went down a wikipedia hole and started searching and turns out no scotch is actually like a uh, uh archaic form of um referring to a thing or a person that is from scotland so like you know you have scotch oh. tape for example or scotch the the liquor um and there's like writings and whatnot from 17th 18th centuries showing that like they would refer to things as being scotch uh and i just always thought it was like some weird mutation that we made but no yeah scotch irish uh, cool. an accurate thing to say even though no one in the uk uses that term it is it is like at this point solely an american adoption but uh yeah it's also referring to people that like they lived in scotland and then they immigrated to ireland for like a single generation sometimes even less and then immigrated to america uh so the irish part of scotch irish like kind of not not even there it's just kind of a hanger on but anyways now that we've lost like all but the truest fans of this podcast exactly gotta weed them out yeah uh <laughs> i man i'm so excited to talk to you about video games oh is that what we're here for I I mean I I don't know I had assumed I know it's been a long tumultuous year where we've been very much busy with other things, um like video games. Uh, yeah, I have no time for video games. <laughs> I have no time for video games. I'm busy with video games in parentheses making. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to playing, we've both uh sort of been bitten by the game dev bug recently harder than we have been before, and um. Are, are gung-ho into various projects yeah um yes 
I don't know. I'm 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 shying away from the idea of like being bitten by the bug as if it is a uh fleeting uh passion or it's like uh, it comes in fits and starts. Um That's fair. I mean, that's more of a me thing. The whole the whole reason we stopped podcasting on the reg was because I wanted to spend more time uh doing game dev work because that's kind of like the, the whole point of starting the podcast was like let's chronicle like video game development and whatnot and you know kind of got in the way of game development (laughs) in a lot of ways it did um became a full-time job it was a pretty big commitment and uh led to a lot of great things still love doing it on occasion still love doing uh attract mode even though we continue to watch terrible terrible films um you're never gonna stop never gonna stop they keep making new ones for some reason they're like these guys these assholes think they're so clever making a podcast shitting on video game movies well guess what here's 20 new video game movies coming out god has that punished you for your hubris and your work will never be done yeah uh but yeah so yeah i've been working on stuff um throughout the year you've been working on stuff let's let's let's, you know before we talk into video game playing let's talk about video game making what did what tell me about what you've been working on I, I have rekindled uh, my love affair with my my main passion project that I've on again, off again with uh, for the past several years, almost a decade at this point. Um, that would be uh, Playground, which, which- I, I guess I've never really like officially named as far as like uh, going through on like social medias when i post about it it would always just be like check out this new gun i made check out this new functionality i implemented and i never quite like established i didn't want to like really sit there and say like it's called playground because i wasn't always sure if that's what it was going to be called but i i, I think it is and um i i <laughs> i because I, I, I was going to chime in and say maybe reconsider <laughs> I maybe uh, yeah cuz also like playground game is not good for SEO um that's um, you're you're going to get a million things before you get what I'm working on I uh also sort of understand that um there's weird vibes that come from making a an FPS a multiplayer FPS that plays in very I uh, I guess kitty fields and I've never like tried to um, or, or, or childlike whimsy, sure. I guess. And I've never tried to make it feel like um, like it is a kid's game. I'm just mostly trying to capture the imaginative essence of children at play. Like, it's always meant to feel like a Nerf fight in the woods or something, you know? Sure. Uh, old uh- Halo games in the basement. Or, or right. den or whatever you know they uh, um yeah i mean like i feel like we're pretty far past the point of like well in some ways we are some ways we aren't of the the heyday of moral panic around corrupting youth with video games if that's your the concern you're talking about yes and no um i i don't think it's so much corrupting the youth so much as it is just like i i very touchy subject that i am not nearly qualified to to get into but um school shootings and violence as it sure. is surrounding kids uh yeah so i i would like for it to appear like a game for more more like kids at heart 
<laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to recreate the essence of of say like Halo or or other very simple multiplayer FPSs that you could just hop into and have a good time without too much without worrying about like a battle pass or um like paying extra money for cosmetics. I would really just want something that I can hop into, play a couple death matches with my friends. We can chat, we can hang out, we can shoot at each other and just like, you know, have a great time the way that you used to without sounding too much like a boomer who's like pining for like those early days. But but that that's that's kind of what I was always going for. And along the way, I've got lots of wacky weapon concepts that I've like written down. I've got a massive spreadsheet. Um, how any, however many of them are going to make the cut is is up for debate, but uh it's that's also a big part of the project is it is a sandbox for these these funky weapons and i am very excited getting back into it uh for two reasons one i learned how to animate them because previously they were all just like static models and now i've got them like you know looking like they fire when they fire uh, looking like they reload when they reload. They've all um, working on like concepting some cool equip animations. So you don't just like they don't just attach to your character, but they like you know float off the ground and like your character interacts with them and then holds them. Uh, that was something previously I never could do, and I think I had mostly dropped this project because it had felt like I wasn't going to be able to make it as good as I wanted it to. Animation was a big part of that. I was not an animator. I'm still... I don't know if I would call myself an animator, but I have been animating, and I actually like the results. Um, and, uh... Let's see. The other big thing is it's actually going to be online this time. Because I previously was just kind of resigning myself to, like, I don't know how to make an online video game. I'm just going to keep it split-screen. And then kind of the pandemic happened, I think. And that slowed down a lot of my effort into that with feeling like you know i can i could get away with making a split screen game in current year and uh yeah i i think the fact that basic online functionality is in right now i actually have it working so that like picking up weapons applying damage dying and respawning all that works across a network which is crazy um don't let anyone ever, ever, ever tell you making an online game is easy. This, this but, I, but I'm here to say <laughs> it's pretty easy. No, this shit's fucking hard, man. <laughs> I, I can't even joke about it. I, I had like a whole thing that took me like a, a few days to figure out where like um, I, I, I thought it was fine because on my end it was like, okay, if you throw a grenade, uh, it on both screens the grenade is thrown right this person on the on the other side of the network and this person on the side of the network both see the grenade thrown but the grenade on both screens was winding up in different areas and it was because oh, like oh so it wasn't deterministic the the server was like not quite figured out or or, or, or couldn't quite wasn't getting like an accurate reading on the aim of the one of the clients and it was different on both ends of the game being run 
and and so like the grenade would wind up in a different spot at the end of its like toss and bounce and roll and whatever it did because it's like you know a whole physics object right um man was that annoying that took me a really long time to kind of figure out how to make sure that like the proper aim rotation was passed through over the network right yeah um so so do both of those does the client and the server both do that calculation like independently or is it like being all done on the client side and then all the data just gets sent up to the server how the grenade itself works is it's essentially all being spawned on the server um okay okay so so basically is only happening on one machine uh but it's its position is being interpreted in real time across all clients um and there's a whole lot that goes with this but it's uh what was what was essentially happening was uh when it gets created on the server it's being passed like a a a relative transform including a rotation right and that rotation is like what determines okay like what direction is it getting tossed in and at that rotation was not was the thing that wasn't getting replicated correctly even though the the act of the grenade only happening on the server as it should be was correct <laughs> which is i think why it was driving me so nuts yeah it's like half the data was being passed through correctly but the other important part causing that that mismatch um yeah, yeah. S- sounds Ga- tricky games over the internet is crazy it'll never catch on it's too hard to make no i don't know how it ever did (laughs) uh let me tell you very smart people getting paid way too little spent a lot of time oh man isn't that true figuring it out now imagine doing it over a you know 56k modem (laughs) yeah oh well that's been my give dev journey as of the past few months uh nice very excited so what is so what is the goal ultimately with with this current iteration of your FPS? I'm gonna see how far it gets. I'm gonna get it to a point where it is fully playable with a handful of weapons, maybe a map or two. Um and you can like get through a mode and and see it through to completion, carried through to a lobby onto like another game if you want, or or leave if you would prefer that. And um if you choose to uh sorry i lost my train of thought for a second you can edit this out uh uh and and we're gonna i'm going to essentially take this demo of sorts i think and i'm just gonna like have friends play it get feedback work on it some more tweak it uh maybe end up trying to take it to a publisher we're gonna see how good i feel about it by the time it reaches that point um i i i think the amount of effort that's gone into it at this point warrants me needing to try to get it to a place where it isn't just like ah, this is just like a fun game i made for friends you know sure i i i'm <laughs> stumbling over the words here but i i think boils down to like i should get paid for this (laughs) (laughs) is is the current brain uh uh, thought on that (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
No, I mean, right. Like everyone should be paid for for any sort of effort uh, yeah. they put into something. I think the the unfortunate reality is most of the time they don't, or they it takes a extremely outsized amount of effort to uh, be compensated in any sort of way. Right. Um, I mean, I think I think that if that is a path that you wish to go down, not to be too critical because i mean like i've i've played it a little bit and i've seen it like i've seen its iterations over the years but i think it's it's definitely a thing where you should probably think about what the what the hook is going to be or what the unique uh uh aspect what the what the top line selling point differentiator competitive advantage of this game is because like i i think if it if it is simply like, hey, here's a fun kind of wacky, uh, you know, online multiplayer FPS, um, I think that on its own would have a very hard time, like, attracting uh, attention from oh, yeah. a partner. Because, like, I mean, y- you know, you yourself are a big FPS fan, um, as as people know. <laughs> and, like, you've talked about games. Like, I think about that, um, what's that farming uh fps shotgun farmers shotgun farmers like shotgun farmers like the hook there is like hey the plants are are guns right right and it's like miss bullets plant guns in the field and you can you know harvest them and use them for as your weapons um yeah so it's and you know and when we talked in the summer about things like tunic and whatnot in your your kind of insight there where it was like hey it's this but also you know, there's there's like an underlying thing to it. I think you need to find that right for your mm-hmm. game, where it's like it's like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's also helpful to like put in actual words and let the audience know that like, hey, everyone has great ideas all the time or whatever, and sometimes great ideas fall to the wayside just because like right. run out of time or energy or like we can't find the interest from outside parties or partners or whatever and i think it's it's good to put that in stark terms so that anyone else that might be listening that also has that kind of same interest knows has the information is equipped with it to go into any sort of situation where they be might be negotiating for for a partnership to also have that right Um, but yeah, I think trying to find what the unique hook is of your game is probably going to be paramount um, to put it above and beyond, you know, any other FPSs, indie FPSs that exist out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and yeah, like you said, that's definitely something that I've thought about. Definitely something that keeps me awake at night sometimes about just the... Uh, how how do i make sure this is something that gets seen and appreciated for what it is without deviating too far from my my original vision which i care very deeply about have you considered a battle pass <laughs> god <laughs> that'll uh, get them let me tell you about free to play i mean me, like let me I, let I, me I, tell you about operating off of fomo and making sure that your players are addicted i mean sure like there's these Let's tighten up those compulsion loops sure i mean that's i mean i think i think the thing indies really don't get in general is that yes a lot of that 
stinks and i think there is space for like games that do not that operate counter to that but i think it's also i think it's you know you're swimming against a current if you're trying to go against trends and so it's going to be a hard sell literally and figuratively that if you're like hey here's my online fps it's twenty dollars and people are gonna go why isn't it free like i can just i can go play Fortnite for free even though they've dumped you know two hundred dollars or whatever into Fortnite because of all this whatever they've bought um but but people don't see that up front they see your twenty dollars the same thing with like um mobile mobile games right yeah yeah like forever mobile games have had this problem and like we've gotten around it with things like netflix subscription getting you access to games and apple arcade and stuff like that the market is skewed the way it is uh because that's what has been working and i the market is king until (laughs) we dismantle it completely right um that's why, as part of my plan for launching the game, I will be dismantling capitalism. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will be enacting the final uh, the final act of Fight Club. I'm going to be bombing a credit card company, Skyscraper, and yeah. wiping out all the debts. <laughs> Man. Sometimes, sometimes you do just wish you could do something with your life like that. <laughs> that would just, you know... I don't know, have some kind of an impact. Well, the funniest part about that movie is like that would be impossible now, right? Because like all those servers would have so many redundancies offsite everywhere. Uh, So you'd have to have. So what you'd have to do, FBI's this FBI, this isn't actually going to happen. Just saying that right now. (laughs) So you would have to have a, a coordinated simultaneous attack where you would have to destroy every single backup facility every server farm out in the middle of fucking nowhere you have to you would have to blow them up all at the same time so there's no redundancy no fail check could but then they probably have some fucking like iron mountain thing where it's just some vault buried in the side of bedrock with a 20 foot steel door in front of it those those businesses they are going to get their money i think they have almost ensured that so yeah um while admittedly the uh i i don't want to think too hard about compulsion Period. loops ever uh yeah um uh, compulsion loops battle passes monetization monetization i understand that at some point i will probably have to especially if i want it to be a, a joint published venture um this is something that like like if i'm focusing primarily on multiplayer that's just how it goes i i really want it to kind of shine on its own merits though like as 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 polished as i can get it as as fun as i can get it just as it is right so that's the hope it's gonna i mean an alternative might be like looking in early access. Like, um, I think that's that comes with with its own problems. Uh, sure, in a lot of ways, um, because I think the expectations from a player side of what early access is uh, still expects a fully completed game, or at least a game that's like eighty percent of the way there. Right. Um, whereas some devs are like, "Oh, we'll put in early access, and it'll have like fifty percent of the content, or whatever." Um, and I think different games get different uh, amounts of of 
slack on that. I think mm-hmm. Hades might be a game that got more slack than something like uh, uh, Rogue Legacy 2. Um, I know those guys had a kind of uphill battle when they released on early access yeah. in, uh, in, in, on the Epic Game Store. Um, but yeah, I mean, that could be a, uh, another thing. But if you release on early access, no publisher will want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> is the is the trade-off there because yeah. they see that you you know they consider that your release right um if you because a lot a lot of publishers want to be able to manage and manicure that lead up to release because that's when they can start banging the marketing drum and getting stuff out to, to to early showings to press and influencers and things like that uh and so if you already kind of blow that quote unquote uh with an early access model it's you're that you're that you're then wiping away any interest from a from a publisher yeah yeah well things to think about truly always thinking and then on my end yeah let's hear about this um man have i ever really gone into detail about it i feel like i ask that every time we talk about uh game dev <laughs> or <in> like <laughs> things things where we don't want to like you know spill the beans too much on just in case it doesn't work out or whatever but i yeah. i mean you've, you've you've told me a good i've told bit. you yeah um so i guess in essence it is a <sighs> kind of exploratory uh puzzle game um kind of like i mean i'm imagining it in a uh metroidvania kind of style not in not in like full gameplay i don't imagine there being any any combat um more so in like things like you know knowledge is what you need to progress through certain parts of the game the metroid brainias um, metroid brainia if you will yeah um which i think we referenced in our in our previous episode i think we did <laughs> And uh, so, so the original kind of idea came from. I'm collaborating with a, a friend of mine, Nick Nazaro. Um, you might know him as the illustrator on uh, games like Dragoon, um, all of the Layways games, uh, in fact. And um, I kind of hit him up a while back and asked, like, if he wanted to collaborate on something. And he really wanted to do something with a sci-fi slant and he pitched this idea. I was like, Oh, what if you had to like translate alien languages or something? And I was like, Oh, that, that seems interesting. And you know, there's, there's some translation stuff with games like tunic and Fez. And I feel like I've definitely talked about this because when we were talking about tunic, I feel like we kind of went down this rabbit hole and you know, I've said it before that my, my problem with those <laughs> games is they are, you know, it's it's it. The ga- those games try very hard to obfuscate that aspect of it because it's not usually the main thrust. It's like Tunic's an adventure or, or like a, you know an action adventure game, and Fez is like a retro style platformer, and the right. the translation stuff is is secondary. So the goal with the game that we're working on is to make that front and center. So you have like a built in translator that you type with a full QWERTY keyboard your translations in and those translations like build on top to of each other Dylan. oh it already has controller support for that oh okay cool there are keyboards on uh when you like type and stuff when you're doing like the search in the playstation store no 
yeah, that's that's tr- yeah, these that's are, true. These are, these are solved problems. Hypnospace <laughs> came to the Switch, so I think yeah, I but think that we're you only had to okay. like click mostly. I suppose it's still keyboard in it, or still like you have that's to true. do search typing. Um, don't worry about it. We 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 got you got you got you got we got to figure it out. Uh, okay. but yeah, so that's the basic thrust. It's like you're being introduced to a uh, alien language, and you have to. Uh, translate and it helps you solve puzzles and explore and yada 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 a bunch of fun stuff um still working on like a bunch of basic mechanics i mean i've been working on this game i would say since august or so of 2020 so it's definitely been uh a long while and it's still going to be a while before like there's a full kind of playable i mean an mvp will probably be possible within a few months okay um but like in terms of something that's more vertical slicey that has like all of nick's art implemented like that's probably gonna go into late 2023 if i'm if i'm being realistic (laughs) with my goals i would love to try to get something that's playable and like almost like a show floor demo by like before pax (laughs) weston next year um but we'll see how doable that, that is. I'm kind of like a naturally slow creative person. It takes me a while to like uh like finish stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Um so we'll see. But yeah, I think I think the game is coming together. I think it still has plenty ahead of it to to figure out. Um design stuff is hard. I think I have <laughs> In, in the course of working on this come to really appreciate game designers as a <laughs> as a uh dedicated discipline because it's definitely uh get empty canvas syndrome staring at a blank page trying to figure out like okay what is the leg of this segment uh and i've been talking to adam saltzman a lot about like advice and stuff um and he is someone that's definitely has much more of a design oriented brain and uh he recommended this thing called a, a player walkthrough where you basically like down to like five second increments write out what the player should be doing hmm. be like all right player's doing this right now and then five seconds elapse on the page and then the player does this and yada 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 and you kind of like force that to like actually think about and realize you know what how how your game systems come together um yeah i think there's also and it's just i mean don't take it from me i've never finished a, a game before <laughs> um so but I, I i believe that there is there can be such a thing as too much uh paper designing because i'm definitely someone that just really needs to get my guts in the code and like have something on the screen working and then fiddle with that and then mm. see it not work and put it in front of someone more so than kind of philosophizing and putting up these hypothetical situations and be like, okay, well, that's not going to work because of this, this and that, uh, which is helpful. But, you know, I, I did that walkthrough thing and worked on that. Like I didn't touch the code for like two months or something. Um, and only recently within the past week or two picked it back up. Um, but there was a point where I was like, I'm, this is killing me. <laughs> like <laughs> sitting here and like trying to figure out every inch of this and just having to like concretely write it out. There's something very draining about it and almost feels like it is sucking the fun 
out of it. Whereas like when you're building it, like yeah. there's a chance for that kind of creative discovery. Those, those, um, uh, serendipitous moments in creation where it's like, Oh, like, all right, I'm seeing now that I'm seeing it like in motion. What if it did this instead? Yada, 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 which is a lot harder when it's just, you're just writing it down on a page. Yeah. Uh, this is really cool for me to hear because I think I work very inversely where to me the most fun I get sometimes is writing out the whole GDD and um, or game design doc and and, yeah. and coming up with like e- even just like writing down whole ass metrics without having anything to like actually test them with you know like movement speed would be this or this to, to make sure that they can you know be able to reach this platform in X amount of time but not you know uh, fall into this pit uh it's it's like that to me is the fun puzzle to solve and i get hung up on some of the the programming like that's Mm -hmm. the puzzle that will make me go like oh no i'm too dumb to do this and i have to like hang it up forever now (laughs) yeah no yeah i i I do think we're we're opposites because i find that the paper design super taxing and i'm just like man fuck this like i just want (laughs) to i want to just program some stuff and and see it and see it execute Um, right but yeah, it's uh I think that's why <laughs> game design is one discipline and game programming is a different one. And I Almost definitely entirely. <laughs> definitely see myself as uh someone that's that's more comfortable in the game programming. But it's like you have to wear multiple hats, right? As a right. as a as an independent developer cuz you, you could reach out to people and like I said I've been talking to Adam about all of this stuff, but at the end of the day it's like you have to make these decisions. And I think these decisions will be easier to make once i see stuff coming together and i can then start tweaking it i'm like okay like this isn't working because of this and this is working like once we're able like like it's a puzzle game so it requires immense amount of play testing so like it's really just going to be like uh, law of averages putting this in front of people and seeing if my ideas my assumptions about like how this world and how this game should work together uh actually actually works um but there's the fun there's fear in that because it's like oh god what if all my assumptions are wrong yeah and this doesn't come together come together ever but there's fun in in doing that journey anyways so if you want to work on games look forward to that i guess look forward to (laughs) all these different emotions it's a it's a great time and it's a grueling time uh i've i think i heard someone once describe it as like you know you just like pour as much as your soul into it as possible until it looks the least like shit that you can get it (laughs) and and that's it and (laughs) until until like you know maybe it's good enough that you can actually do something with it or maybe it's awful and you have to cry about it well Um, and i think this is why we see so many we you see so many independent developers kind of like really not handle failure well like find find you know financial market failure or whatever like putting a game out and it not doing well because you know they have put all this sweat equity into it and they expect something in return simply because of that and the idea of the market or the consumer base not rewarding you simply because of how much of your soul you sacrificed to get this game made. I think like, really like bre- all breaks of some art people. 
yeah it, it, it requires a lot more than it first lets on and um there's never a guarantee of success but i think there is a i don't know i i feel like i'm always on the the <laughs> the, the, the 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 minority argument on this but i always feel like i mean obviously i i identify as anti-capitalist and i don't think like the market is the 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 true arbiter of things or like the final say and should run all of our lives um but i think it is weird like taking those mentality taking taking those ideas and using them to avoid self-reflection when your game doesn't do well yeah um no i think that's fair because it's just like god my game didn't do well because uh steam hates indies or yada 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 you know the all the things that i've shouted about in the past and like like if my game failed i i do think a good amount of it would rest on me not wanting to budge on like you know various monetization issues like i get that well it could be that or it could be like you know maybe it's just just not just didn't get the word out (laughs) or just like yeah i mean like marketing is a thing right and i think a lot of creators don't know how that works and i'm not going to pretend i know how every in and out far, of marketing far, works far too many either. pretend like marketing is an afterthought as right. opposed to something or that, like, evil or or, um, or that yeah yeah and i think just in this day and age like you have to if 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 your game if the goal of the game is a financial you know a, a, a marketable product um is a a product that you want to sell and kind of build a career or a living off of like you you do have to look at things in 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 those stakes because i feel like unfortunately we are uh, a far away from any sort of like changing in major <laughs> economic situations for ourselves so unfortunately i i <laughs> yeah i mean like but if like if that's not the goal then that's fine like if you're just making art for art's sake and just putting games out because like you like fiddling on this stuff in your spare time like that's awesome there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah please Uh, do try i i i don't think that gets said enough that um despite the fact that everybody says it i it's still not said enough um if you have an idea try yeah do your best to get it out there as, as much as you can. Um, I Sometimes I'm just proud going back and looking at all of the game design docs that I know I'll never actually make. I'm just happy that I got them out somewhere on paper. Absolutely. It's nice. I Working those creative muscles is just as important as everything else. Right. Um, yeah. The creative fulfillment is what gets you going. Um, but to kind of, to, to see that last mile, I don't know, take, takes a little bit more than just your creative soul. Unfortunately, like it just, right. it, like there's just, there's, there's, there's more to it. Um, unless you get super lucky and you, you, <laughs> you don't need get that. really lucky. Yeah. Um, people really seem to really like vampire survivors. So I guess that guy got <laughs> real lucky. Flappy Bird, you can make Flappy a Flappy Bird. Bird. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all the, there's all kinds of avenues toward success here in this world. I mm-hmm. I don't want to discount any of them as being better or worse than others, but just you know, keep in mind that if you don't try, you'll never find out. Right. But if you do try, it is a struggle. 
it yeah. is it is hard <laughs> it, it's it's a long and difficult road no, nothing worth it is ever easy though sure these are these are all platitudes that i'm sure your various high school teachers have said to you at one point <laughs> in your life but yeah well that's enough navel gazing that i think so i think so we've we've spent a lot of time reaching far back into the wordcast roots to talk about game dev um let's let's talk about more wordcast traditions and get into the bgps the reason we're all here today let's let's do it some um talk about our best games played of this year um we did want to keep this episode short so yeah. we aren't going to cover all of them very in depth but uh do we want to go through the list and just say sure yeah um and these lists will also be accompanied by uh some write-ups that we we have done will be doing depending on <laughs> the timing of when this episode comes out yep um but yeah why don't you hit me with your best shot your best shot being your best games played this year okay all right we're gonna start from from 10 to 1 or opening with uh sky children of light unpacking Fortnite, hyper demon magic the gathering in sound mind tunic elden ring perfect tides and splatoon 3 Splatoon got you again, huh? Splatoon got me, baby. I I can't remember if that was in a BGP of mine at any point earlier, but uh, I think before we were doing individual write ups, uh, you definitely brought up Splatoon uh, two. That that would have been like around the, my very first appearances on the mm. Wordcast for sure. I remember yeah. my first time was for Breath of the Wild. Like that was a whole episode dedicated to that that you brought me on as a guest for. Yeah, and uh, that was I, a weird I, conversation. It, it was it was fun um i remember it fondly and i think like i don't know you had me on a couple other times and and splatoon 2 almost certainly came up at some point around there yeah sounds about right uh my games so i have a kind of a uh mishmash here my first couple on this list i would say more is like honorable mentions um and then i probably would say i have like a top eight uh so starting from the bottom here these first three honorable mentions i have factorio super liminal and the elder scrolls four colon oblivion and then my top eight are going from the bottom marvel snap pokemon legends arceus uh world of warcraft specifically i put the battle for azeroth expansion uh love three tunic Wordle, Rogue Legacy 2, and Fortnite Zero Build. You're sticking to Zero Build only. Oh, well, yeah, regular Fortnite sucks. I never want to play I, regular yeah, I, Fortnite. I, I never want to play any Fortnite that involves any building, but I did want to say just Fortnite because I liked the Among Us mode and I liked um, Prop Hunt and finding like some other oh, sure. wacky yeah, games the, in there. Yeah, the Among Us mode's fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think gone? that's... It's vaulted, please. Vaulted, sorry. It's in the epic vault. <laughs> It'll come out eventually when uh, Lady and the Tramp comes to Blu-ray. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so you and I do, like, I, I guess we're already talking about Fortnite, um, and we have some ones on here that we share. 
It's a number one victory royale. It's that's a good game. I I you know for it to have sort of broken the mold for me on in terms of just like battle royales in general, um, creating a lot of pretty great moments uh, between you and I, other friends, family. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe the amount of people that either through my actions or just on their own suddenly realized this year. I probably do to zero build if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. But that, but that Fortnite is good actually. Uh, uh, that certainly took its sweet time. But uh, now that it's happened, it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of a freeing, you know, for everyone to just like finally admit, you know, like wait a minute, you know what? I like this, and I'm not going to hide it anymore. <laughs> like, I am a Fortnite player, <laughs> and I'm proud. It used to be like such a such a stigma, right? Like it was it was the kids' game. It was it was weird. It was wacky. It had like uh, Rick from Rick and Morty hanging yeah. out at like um, the Martin Luther King Memorial, um, hitting the gritty. It, it's it's mm-hmm. like you you would see stuff like that and you would cringe and you just be like, oh man, it's 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 a very it's TikTok the game. I can't handle that right now. I'm I'm. 30 or 40 years old and i do not need this <laughs> yeah I, I, <laughs> and and now now i'm playing it and i'm like hell yeah this is pretty good hell yeah fortnite <laughs> this is, this yeah is pretty I, rad. I, I definitely agree i think i think the some of those criticisms still apply especially to oh, for the sure. regular mode with the building mm-hmm. like i think and i again i think we said this last episode but i just like I never want to play the mode with building and just be smoked by some 10-year-old whose fast twitch muscles are just rubber bands, right? Like, they're just the most flexible they could possibly be in his... Or he's got macros set up. He, right, like, presses right. one he button can... on his keyboard and a whole house appears. Yeah. Right. And it's just... That's, that's not fun to me. Like, I want to be able to shoot good... And I want to be able to be strategic. And you can't really be strategic when you run up on a guy and, yeah, a, a condominium shows up where they used to be. <laughs> and yeah. it's it's so much better when it's just about the gunplay. Um, And, yeah, and then that allows you to enjoy the much dumber aspects of it, like being able to buy RoboCop as a skin and then have <laughs> him running around with a dismembered leg of ed 209 as his with his pal goku right and then they're riding boars together uh that they've tamed and they're it there, there's there's creativity and fun in it the same way there's fun in in every battle royale i've played um because right. I, like battle royales have an inherent like exploratory like awe to them um and they all yeah. they all do it in different ways but like I think the fact that Fortnite has like quests built into the game and there are like NPCs you talk to like it 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 has it has inklings of an MMO in it that makes the world feel more lived in and fun um but then you have all this frenetic action happening around you where you have to slowly like you got to run into an ever shrinking circle and like hey this guy found a grenade that like summons random trash like buoys and school buses out of the sky and it crashes on the house you were in and demolishes it or like here's this weird goo gun that that shoots explosive fluid at you right blows up after a second or you can do the goku kamehameha (laughs) and charge it up and if you aim it well you can just demolish a team 
Yeah. Oh man, I did love that Kamehameha. Everyone loves I, the stay. Come for the Goku. Stay for the Kamehameha. Right. The Kamehameha. Um, Look, that's what I would call it as a kid. I mean, I don't know why we're giving people <laughs> such shit for saying it one way or the other. Only because there were so word, many it? examples, like like oh, um, in the anime, or, or no, like uh, of people saying it wrong, and some of them were just stupid. Like like I, what did we find someone a TikTok or whatever? Just like you know the Kamehameha Mama. I think was how he put it, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> the, the Akuna Matata." Yeah. Look, let's call it what it actually is. All right, it's a Hadoken. Okay, you're right. It is a hyperbeam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah. So I, I, we're we're gonna put that to bed. Fortnite. It's good, actually. Um, and that's... I can only imagine how many new people they attracted when they put the zero build mode in. Like, like I said, it was like the floodgates open, and I suddenly had. Um, I I mean between like I personally somehow got my wife into it. Now she plays it more than I do. I I don't know how that happened. Um I I my brother who like stereotypically doesn't play these games a ton. He's played Overwatch and he likes that, but he likes like, you know, the hyper competitiveness aspect. He likes the difficulty of Soulsborne games. Um, he was very anti Fortnite for a while, and uh, I went, "Hey, you want to play Fortnite with us?" And like, I think the first game, and I don't know for the first few games, they throw you in with bots, and it's real easy. But we got a victory royale, and he was like, "Oh, this is why you live." <laughs> this. <laughs> and then he started flossing. He's like, "Look, brother, I'm flossing. <laughs> I'm doing it." And I was like, "You're doing it, buddy. You're really doing it." Yeah, it's it's just it's time the world embraced Fortnite for what it is, and it's just like it's silly. <laughs> yeah, fun. co-marketing the game, right? Uh, full of marketing, but what isn't these days? Uh, man, put a bow on it, Fortnite. It it good, it good. That's that's the new tagline. Um, well, now we got Fortnite out of the way. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, let's see. I was thinking it might make more sense to um i was thinking it might make sense to talk about the two that we have shared first but uh maybe okay. we don't want to blow those out too soon um especially because i have lots to say about tunic have you beaten sure. tunic yet no okay cool great well um <laughs> i haven't i haven't touched it since <laughs> are you prepared to have uh, a whole mechanic spoiled <laughs> uh mick uh I mean, uh, I, I, I gotta get into uh, it, man. It's so exciting. Uh, uh, uh. Tell you what, we can get back to that. Um, okay. I want to talk about In Sound Mind. Okay. Because it's really cool for a horror game to... I, I Speaking of hooks, speaking of ways for it, for an indie game to reach out and and really offer something unique uh there's so many indie horror games right and they they range from like a gamut of of like you know resi clones um with like light combat and like resource management to uh the uh, like amnesia or slender likes where you're just kind of running through a maze from a spooky monster either solving puzzles or getting collectibles and um in sound mind 
is an indie horror title amidst the sea that sticks out for doing something particularly unique, not just in this genre in video games, but in this genre everywhere. And it, uh, it, it retains this twinge of hope throughout. It, it's, it's literally a game about therapy and uses that as like a, a motif for a, it being a, a horror experience where there's always like a, a, a shining beacon of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I've never seen anything like this and I've never imagined anything could really pull it off quite as well as this does. And I, I mean, it's maybe not perfect to that effect. Some of the scares kind of wear off over the course of the playthrough because of its approach, but it sticks its landing fairly well. And I was just blown away by that. Um, so, Oh, go ahead. So, so I, I, that, that, that's the overarching appeal of in sound mind. Uh, it is a game where you are a therapist. You are Dr. Desmond Wales. I'm Dr. Therapist. Right. Exactly. Uh, you, are you you wake up to find yourself in a situation um that is uh, considerably not good your 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 building uh i guess where like your apartment and your offices is like being flooded by this mysterious oil slick ooze kind of stuff the entire world around you is also kind of seemingly flooded by this and um there's there's a mysterious purple man who kind of looks like a CIA goon or, or um, sure you're a G man, right? Yeah. He, he's like a purple zombie wearing a yellow suit and he keeps showing up to antagonize you in, in sometimes very comical ways. Like he either will, will appear in person to laugh at you or he will uh, like, you know, he'll make nearby phones ring and you can pick them up and he'll like cackle and, and be like, so what's the matter, man? You don't know, like, a weird goo in your apartment you know he's he's strangely funny about it um but he is also very upfront about the fact that like you know once you've suffered enough i'm going to kill you i i am i am the antagonist in this story and i'm just having fun watching you suffer uh meanwhile you've had a series of patients die in mysterious ways and you have you find your goal is to like locate the cassette tapes in this hub world of their recorded therapy sessions and when you find the tapes you get to play them and each recorded therapy session is also like a bespoke horror level with its own monster based on the patient and their and their uh, their psychoses kind of meshing with particular horror tropes in these games and uh, once you've gotten all of those, you know, you can kind of like see it through to the end. But it's it's this this I, I think I just want to like get into some great examples of of what this game does super well. Uh, I, I just wanted to take a second there and take a beat um, because I, I just want to talk in concrete terms about like the actual moment to moment mechanics. I was looking at uh the steam page while you were talking and so it's first person which i don't know if you said that or not uh 
but it's like it's interesting that you mentioned like amnesia and resident evil and those kind of horror genre tent poles right mm-hmm. but you didn't mention silent hill which this seems directly influenced by well, silent hill okay that's fair I'm, well, in multiple ways. So, so, and I've never played a Silent Hill. Like, so this is mostly <laughs> absorbing this info through osmosis, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I know Shattered Memories, the Wii one, had like a big psychosis, or not psychosis, but like uh, psychologist, like kind of wrapping around it. And I know yeah. most of them deal with like, hey, this is like the protagonist's like fears and and psychoses like being projected into Silent Hill. Yeah, um, but and also. The, the trailer starts with the dude walking by a sign that looks like the, the Welcome to Silent Hill sign. Yes. I, I did actually want to get into that. I, I do feel like if this game tries to be anything, it's trying to be like a Silent Hill, which is close-ish, closer to like the Resi temple um, on, sure. on that alignment chart of sorts. Of just like light combat, mostly puzzle solving, exploration. Yeah. Because um, the guy atmosphere. does have a gun. Yes. Um, there is shooting. There's even a shotgun. Uh, there's 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 puzzly combat encounters and combat combat encounters. Um, it all it all accounts for that. And I I am going to touch back on that. And in, in a moment, I wanted to say there's like the first level is revolves around a patient who um, had like received some facial scars from an accident when they were a child and deals with like uh the paranoia about being seen being looked at is like tries to hide her face and doesn't like going out in public um there's there's another guy so so her monster version in her level is a very classic like don't look at it or you'll anger it kind of thing right you know if you're familiar with slender how that works Mm -hmm. um Help! Amnesia does the same thing, right? Yeah, um, or Endermen in Minecraft. If like you want right. to abstract it even more, you're right, right. Um, the second guy is agoraphobic, I think, and doesn't like light or or doesn't like fire. I, I can't remember exactly how it works uh, with his with his backstory, but he's got an Alan Wake mechanic going on where you like have to shine your flashlight at him to get him to go away. Um, third guy anger issues he's just much more of like a rampaging bull like present like mr x kind of force um who keeps just like showing up to kind of wreck your shit uh-huh mr x force right i think i think they call him <laughs> deadpool <laughs> yeah yeah like that guy um and uh like the last guy suffers from ptsd and actually like stalks his level as a giant walking radio tower with like a massive sniper rifle so like if he spots you he like he'll take pot shots at you and his whole level will transition from being like a quaint rustic um forest setting um it will like on an on an instant change into a war zone in like vietnam with like barbed wire and mines that you have to watch for and bullets you have to dodge uh it's fascinating how well it's 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 great how well they they managed to like use these story beats about these characters all undergoing their own particular issues and creating unique levels and your unique characters around all of them and much 
it is like Silent Hill, but I would say, again, to the point of original credit that I really want to give this game, every, say, final boss fight encounter, which every of these, all of these levels end with a, a way to beat uh, the monster as it is, right? Um, but they're never, ever directly combat. It's always a puzzle designed to kind of get them to confront their own fears and their own issues. And your character always ends each fight not with like a, a quip or, or, or fear or anything, but like always honest acceptance and um, love and understanding for how far they have come, right? He like just wants the first uh, lady to be able to accept herself. He just wants the second guy to like stop living in, in fear. You know, he's, he's all, all of these levels end with a very touching note of him kind of understanding that he might've failed them as a therapist, but he, he doesn't, he still cares about them as people. Right. That's, kind of what i'm talking about when it comes down to like this game will take the horror and spin it into a positive outcome every time which is so unique for the genre it's it's largely a genre where everyone dies at the end right and and it's just it's great it's wonderful it's touching it it really keeps you going throughout it you know you don't want total eternal heartbreak in any horror game, there has to be like a means to escape. And in this one, it's less a means of like you escaping and more a means of like, how do I help these people? I would love to help these people. I, I loved it. Um, I I want to say like more to the point. I think the game also utilizes humor more than a few times in places where it feels both earned, but just like, again, totally opposite of horror, but it's great. Uh, one of the first, like, because the game kind of uses this, uh, you find a key item in each level to help you progress through the hub world to get to the next level. Um, one of the first kind of obstacles you'll encounter is police tape that must be cut in order to walk through it. Um, except it's police tape. Like, why do you need something to cut through that? You should just be able to, like, walk <laughs> yeah. through it. Um, the first time you, like make your character walk through it like like push against the tape as i did because i thought like man i should just be able to like walk through this right it's just police tape against an empty hallway your character like says out loud like man this is some strong tape (laughs) (laughs) um in that first level uh they use the the ever-present horror game trope of like mannequins that weren't there when you turned around right which is like great for both the the paranoia setting of that of that character, right? She doesn't like people watching her and the idea of like these mannequins being in different places every time you turn around is, is, is an excellent way to kind of portray that. Um, except I, it, it's funny how creepy it is in the moment. And then they use that against you at, at a point where uh, you, you have to like get through a locked door and there's no way you have the key. And as soon as you try to open it and it's, like, locked, you turn around and there's a mannequin there, like, holding the key out. 
and it's like, whoa, oh, um, oh, th- thank you. And then you like you take the key and you go to unlock the door. If you turn around again, he's like sitting on a nearby bench throwing you a thumbs up. <laughs> like, it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, There's this like, seems a lot less like of your traditional horror. Like, obviously, like jokes aside, like even yeah. before we got into the jokes and me looking at this, it seems a lot less intense and it's horror like i think it's obviously trading in a lot of survival horror tropes but Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like it's it's there to to mess you up right is my read on it it's it's fully meant to have this this positive outcome and and that's so unique in this genre so unique in this this like like i said in all of horror not just games um and it's phenomenal how well it manages to stick that landing uh, I <laughs> just another point to the horror, uh, to the comedy aspect. I love the the antagonist as the game goes on, kind of just continues to grow like a bit sillier. And he'll do things that will initially like creep you out. He'll like appear around a corner, um, and then like as soon as you see him, he'll vanish. He likes to do that. That they just have a program for him to like randomly pop in on occasion. He's always watching you. Whatever. So he's literally like the G Man in right. Half Half Life. Uh, I I fucking. Like I screamed and then I started cracking up all in within the span of like two seconds when I saw him do like this fucking Scooby Doo villain walk across the hallway in front of me. <laughs> like like arms up like a like T Rex. Like on his yeah. tippy uh, on his tippy toes. Yeah. yeah. Like he like he just like walked across the hallway like that in front of me. And I was like, God damn it, oh my fucking god. It was so uh they 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 had a real great idea with this game and i think they executed it quite well i i major major props to in sound mind cool yeah definitely seems uh unique and interesting um while also rooted in a genre that people are comfortable with so might be more (laughs) willing to to check it out I oh oh and music by the Living Tombstone if you're a fan, I know Not he's familiar. got fans out there. Uh, he's he's cool. He's done a lot of cool stuff. I don't know how to make you familiar if you are not, but if you like his work, you will like it here. It sounds good. Cool. Um, Alex, I want to talk about a game. Talk about a game, Dylan. I want to talk about a game. Have you heard of World of Warcraft? <laughs> I, you know, I've even played World of Warcraft. I I believe you've played this same expansion of World of Warcraft. I, I might have. Is this the one with the foxes? This is the one with the, the, the foxy dudes. The Volpera? Cool, yeah. <laughs> I definitely might have touched this once or twice. <laughs> did you ever successfully unlock the Volpera? I did, a... and then I stopped playing. That's killing me. Killing I had me. reached my goal, and I was like, well, that's all this game has to offer me now. But that goal... <laughs> <laughs> is unlocking them as a playable race and then you proceeded to not play as that race that you unlocked? I, I did a little bit of playing of them I, I think it was just at that point i was like okay i don't um i don't feel like this is worth what was it 10 12 dollars a month i think it's 15 jesus you're paying monthly yeah um i was just like yeah i don't know if i want to keep paying that much just to be a cool fox um that's fair yeah i mean that's it's the only game in town that can really continue to justify that that subscription uh, as an MMO. 
The grandfathered in, as it were. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you make an <laughs> MMO. We have an MMO that's <coughs> still going since 2004. Right. Um, but yeah, I got back in the WoW uh, a little bit. Not in, a, not in a dangerously destroying my life kind of way. Good. Um, Glad. Well, I, I played a lot of WoW. A lot of WoW as like a middle schooler, high schooler. So like there's definitely... I, I managed to get uh, my my troll mage uh, that was on my old account that my brother uses now. Um, was able to transfer him over to my new account uh, and did the the forward slash played on him to see what the the total count. It was seventy two days is how much time I put into that one character. Which what's the math on that? Let's see seventy two times 24 that's over 1700 hours on a single character so i mean there's there's a lot of memories in that uh yeah, sure there's a lot of there's a lot of history in that in that single character um but also I, there's there's a point where i just did not enjoy playing the game itself um every once in a while i would jump back in and play a little bit of like using the free trial and just being like, all right, I'm going to go over here and kill these 15 boars. And then I'm going to go over here and <laughs> got to kill know, those boars, grab this map or something. Um, and granted, like when you play in the free trial, you're like in the starter zone. So it's not like you're getting the, the best that world of Warcraft can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just, I think I spent so much time playing that game that I was just burnt on bur- burnt out on it for a long, long while. Uh, for a long, long time. Um, and then, like, over the Thanksgiving break, I was like, you know, I want to take it easy. Let me just, like, find something to play. And so, like, I bought, like, a non-free trial version of WoW. Bought, like, the... Because it was, like, a week before the latest expansion was coming out. So I was like, all right, I'll just buy this. And it'll come with all the previous expansions. And there was, like, something on the scale of four or five expansions that I, I hadn't played. Uh... So I jumped in. I was like, all right, like in that game in terms of like linearity in terms of like critical pathing you to content, that game's a mess. Like people talk about <laughs> Des- Destiny 2 and yeah. how like messy it is cuz when they release expansions and stuff like wow is wild. Yeah, so when, I had that problem a few times. Yeah, cuz when you when you start a new character or even like you have a low level character you have you know and also with i think it was shadowlands which was the the expansion before this i think they also did a level squish so there was a point where <laughs> max level was like 120 or 130, right? Mm, mm-hmm. Because every new expansion, they would give you 10 extra levels. So like all, right, all the new content is like the next 10 levels, and they just keep stacking them and stacking them and stacking them. Right. So like in WoW Classic and Vanilla, uh, max level was 60. So you know that just kind of it tells you how many levels how many expansions how long it's been like they've doubled the the max level and at some point they were like all right we're going to squish this all down cuz this is getting the overhead on this is ridiculous um so they squished it from uh 120 or 130 or whatever it was back down to 60 
Uh, so max level was 60 before Dragonflight came out, and then after Dragonflight came out, it was 70. Um, because they're basically starting to do it again. They're like going to add 10 <laughs> levels every expansion or whatever. Of course. Um, but what comes with that, because beforehand, what players would do is you would just, whenever you start a new character, you would basically play through all the expansions like in lin- in chronological order because that was basically your level progression to get the max level. So you would do like all of the vanilla stuff, which then became Cataclysm when they like re- redid all the, the Azeroth stuff with, with Cataclysm. And then you would go to Outland, do Burn Crusade, and then you'd go to Northrend and do Wrath of the Lich King. And then you would do the the max level at the time Cataclysm stuff. And then you would do Mr. Pandaria. And then you would do warlords of draenor and then you would do legion and then you would do uh battle for azeroth and then you would do shadowlands um and it was just a mess because so much content to have to go through just to get a new character to max level yeah really so, so what they did is they made it so you can do any of the expansions as your one through 60 progression um and they like made all of the uh expansion like air uh, regions um all the locales dynamically leveled so all the stuff in that area will be dynamically leveled to whatever your current level was um which is great but also when you start a new character and you're like going to a capital city you immediately get like 10 notifications pulling you like 20 different directions being like hey this stuff's available hey we need you at the broken shore for the legion expansion hey we need you here hey you go over to this go over to this 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 notice board and get yourself a quest to send you on the, the go to go warlords trainer um and it's yeah. it's a it's a mess it's like it's a, it's, it's a mess so i just picked one right and i picked battle for azeroth for no good reason um <laughs> I mean the the content seemed cool and I was like sure I'll do I'll do the Battle for Azeroth stuff. And I am blown away by what they do content-wise with WoW now. Like you got quests that are fully voice acted. You yeah. have quests that have like cutscenes and shit. Like it's wild. We back in my day, we didn't have any of this shit <laughs> in World of Warcraft. Um and i don't know it's it's it made me rediscover why i like wow and it's mostly for the world building and the sense of scale and wonder and all this kinds of stuff and like really all the history that you carry through in that game as it continues to age and progress and evolve over time because like there are characters like there are npcs that you just kind of grow attached to and you see them change and develop and have all this stuff to them over time like i mean the current king of stormwind uh which is anduin wern um he was a little kid in wow vanilla he was like this little he was, he was like the default human child model and he just stood there in stormwind castle and he did nothing because he was a kid but he was like yeah. the stand-in because his dad was missing in the beginning of the games and then you see him grow up and you see him go on his own adventures and all this other stuff and that happens to so many characters and some of these characters have been around since fucking warcraft 3 so this is you know these are characters with like over 20 25 years of history mm-hmm. uh and it's just it's wild to like be able to like interact with them and kind of 
have a shared story with them and then be like main characters in some of your quests and storylines and stuff like that. And that, and that's what really, what wow was for me is all of that kind of cumulative storytelling and world building. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. It's fun to enjoy that again. Um, and yeah, but I unlocked the Volpera. I unlocked the Maghar orcs so so you have all these allied races that you unlock next to like all the regular races um i unlocked the zandalari trolls they got trolls now what stand up and don't have hunched backs what is this what What is this bullshit yeah um yeah it's uh that i'm like i don't know level 66 on my mage i've been playing through the dragonflight stuff and the dragonflight stuff's too uh cool and they and they have problems. I mean, they, there's, there's, WoW is not a perfect game in terms of its storytelling and world building and all this other stuff. Like they, it's got flaws. Um, yeah. But it's, I think, the there, there's, there's a something special about it that allows you to to overlook those flaws that I've always, I've always enjoyed. But that's WoW, and I'll say, wow, wow, wow. What a game. <laughs> what a world of Warcraft. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I I still admire and respect it for all that it does well. It man, I, I could use a little more player agency as well. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on, on what you're looking for. Like gameplay wise, sure. It's a lot yeah. of like just knowing your your loops and cycling through the the combat. Um but I don't know. I feel like in the story, story wise, there's a lot of, there's a lot of creativity there, and a lot yeah. of like what makes it makes you as a character in that world feel special. It's a lot to explore, a lot to unpack. It was very fun, um, just seeing the new areas every time. I liked trying to uh, walk through places mm-hmm. <laughs> that I had no business being in. But not fly through because they don't let you fly anywhere until you do a bunch of ridiculous achievements to unlock flying yeah uh except in dragonflight you get a dragon like so they have like special dragon riding flying in dragonflight and you get it like pretty early and it gives you uh (coughs) like they they have creatively restricted the flying in dragonflight so basically your dragon has like an energy meter uh that expends um, and your dragon can never fly up without expending that energy. So if you don't use any energy, your dragon just kind of slowly drifts back down to the ground. Hmm. Um, it's pretty intuitive. So it, you know it meets that that balance of like letting people fly because sometimes you just need to get somewhere fast, but also like restricting them from just being able to skip over all of the content. Right. Well. Well. Cool game that World of Warcraft. Makes sense why it's been around so long. It does. Uh, do you want to talk about Perfect Tides? Sure. Tell me about this game that I've wanted to play, but I still haven't played because I'm bad about playing video games. Man, uh, I actually I'm really wish I could have gotten you to, to play this before we talked about it here. I because know. I'm sorry. I, I want your unique perspective on living in a seaside tourist community that is otherwise just kind of like a normal place every other season 
it's fine, except sometimes it sucks. <laughs> Why I don't live there anymore? Yeah, I, I this is um, I, I think even like a more extreme take on that because you also have to. Uh, it's a it's an island. She has to like ferry to school every day. Mm. Um, anyway, that's getting ahead of myself. Perfect Tides is the debut game from one Meredith Gran, uh, a comics writer and artist best known for octopus pie mm-hmm. before this uh this game truly solidified her in my head as like a voice of this generation i don't think she has i don't think anyone has as much of like a a key in to like the heart of the the universal millennial trauma <laughs> and experience than grand does at this point i she's got it covered so much of this game to the best of my knowledge i have never been a teenage girl and yet so much of this game stabbed me right in the heart like it 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 cuts right to it there is no stone left unturned there is no pain um that hasn't been thought of carefully considered and written about in great detail throughout this game it's powerful stuff and i cannot wait for the sequel at this point i okay perfect time. Oh, well, oh. can, can, can we talk about the the sequel real quick or the oh, sure um, yeah i want to talk about the the kickstarter because that kickstarter really seemed to uh it, it, it was down to the wire there where it felt like it was mm. not going to fund um and part of me was like I mean, and I don't, I don't know how well the first game did, so maybe it's just like people played the first game. It's like, ah, I don't need more of this, so I'm not going to fund the Kickstarter. Um, but also, I mean, we talked about this briefly when way back when we had Brian Clevenger on, but like, I feel like webcomics people or comics people in general have like such a different relationship with Kickstarter than games people do. Like, because comics people be like, ah, I have a Kickstarter. Here you go. Yay. Like, you know, fund my, you know, run printing this book. And then... <laughs> games people are like hey look i know you funded a lot of games and kickstarted in the past and very few of them have ever actually come out but we're gonna be different here's our gate here's the here's a playable demo we're already 80 percent of the way done yeah 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 like please give us a chance and you know kickstarter people or you know customers will be like no i unsung hero still hasn't come out so i'm not giving you anything right I yeah, will I, never forget what Mighty Number no. Nine did to me. You get <laughs> nothing. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I the reputation of Kickstarter video games has definitely not been the strongest, and I, I, yeah, that's a fair point. I don't and know I if feel that like had that anything was, to do with I feel like that Perfect Tide sequel Kickstarter was like Meredith Grand kind of like butting up against that <laughs> a bit. Yeah, um, it, it kind of felt that way here and there, but I mean, it it made it. I I, I think a, another aspect of it is like Perfect Tides is still very niche. Um, I haven't really met anyone off the top of my head who knew about it, like what it was offhand. Um, I think you have to run in some very specific circles to have been like excited about it before it came out. And like it's taken us this long to get to it. I know it was like at the beginning of the year that it came out, but we were both very excited by it. Because we both like Grand's other work, but um, 
I mean, I didn't get to playing it until like two months ago. Two and a half? I don't know. It, it was recently. <laughs> uh, but the reason it's so high on this list is because it's really, really goddamn good. I played it twice. Like, I, 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 I wanted to see every single little thing that she had written for it. Um, I wanted to see how much, like, my different decisions affected things. It, it's it's a beautiful story. It's heart-wrenching. It's perfect. I, I, I can't imagine. It's one of those games where it's, like, it's hard to imagine my life without it now, you know? Uh, what, a, what a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, it, it opens up with the biggest of all high school bombshells. Uh, your best friend you're you're in um like the 10th grade and uh your best friend the only other person you've really grown up with on the same island as you uh lost her virginity over the weekend with an upperclassman which you know isn't a huge deal not at all why would it be uh except it's the hugest deal because you're a teenager and appearing like a mature responsible adult is like all that matters to you right now right and the whole game just kind of spirals from that perfect poignant moment of of just like i want to be beautiful i want to have a boyfriend i want to experience life i am a teen and the world is supposed to be my oyster but i am i am mentally and literally stuck on an island and i can't leave just to like go say smoke with my friends or or dance at a at a club i so much of the world is locked off for me at this point and yet i crave it all and and it it's just the universal teenage experience that mara the main character goes through throughout this game and i my mind is so full of little details from this that I can't pick just one that really make it to, to really like bring this point home. <laughs> but that's the, the whole game is just these moments that resonated with me as like exactly something that had happened to me when I was that age, something that I had like thought about it, something that I had felt, uh, I, uh, the, the pain of losing a friend, the the joy of, of finding a romantic interest, um, the excitement of like your first real night out with a group of pals uh, versus like the terror of, of like, you know, what's what are my parents going to do about this? I, I, it's. It's a quaint story. In terms of like how much ground it actually covers on the scale of like the world and in the stakes you're really only just a teenager trying to make it through a year of her life uh but somehow the earth-shattering weight of everything as it felt then i felt now like, it, it, it didn't matter that, like, you know, nothing was at stake other than, like, you know, I would like to be able to use the internet and my brother is is currently using it because it's the 2000 <laughs> it's and we're dial-up dial connection. Yeah. Like, holy shit, I remember things like that. <laughs> 
you know we had like a single game console in our house and it was always fought over like who was going to get to use the wii for netflix or playing epic mickey or whatever the hell was currently out it, it was like that those were the stakes <laughs> and they were massive to us because we Man. were 15 and didn't know any goddamn better <laughs> the, br- the brutal stakes of having to watch netflix on the wii oh uh, yeah that was a whole ordeal i i um yeah i i think i don't even feel like i missed anything with this being set in the year 2000 like i was a teenager in the the mid to to late aughts and just because this is like the aught uh it it, it still conveys everything so yeah. effortlessly <laughs> the aught it ought to be yeah i i man I might have been getting lost in the weeds a little bit there, but I'm trying desperately not to like give away too much about this game. Yeah, I think you were you're getting a little lost in your own sauce, but I, I appreciated uh, <laughs> it. Um, tell you what, tell you what, tell you what. Okay. I, I will play. I will play Perfect Tide, and I'll finish Tunic, and we can have a spoilery, spoiled, spoiler-filled spoil cast <laughs> when I finish both of those games so you don't okay. feel hamstrung by what you can or cannot say about both of these games. That's fair. I I like this plan. Cool. Um Do you want you want to talk about Tunic? And <laughs> as much do, as I can? Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. Cov, okay. cov, do you want to talk about Tunic asterisk without spoiling too much? What are, what are your cuz you he had, Let's a, see. had already beaten it, right? when yeah. we last talked about it I, okay. I think when we last talked about it yeah i had already beaten it and um we were i i was upset we were waiting that I couldn't, on me like, to beat it i wait, was waiting on you to beat it uh couldn't really talk about certain things without spoiling massive can. massive things yep um are you still in the same space i think you yeah. beat the first boss uh no i beat the the siege engine that's the first boss i thought the garden knight's the first boss no garden knight's oh. not even what is the Garden Knight? Garden Knight's up there, but he's he's not. He's like second, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll put a spoiler warning here. Spoiler warning for yeah. Tunic, because we'll at the very least talk about where I am. Okay. Um, I'm much farther than that, actually. Now I remember. <laughs> uh, the my game, my experience with this game is not marked by the boss battles because I hate them. Um, <laughs> they're very dark soulsy i get it yeah they are not fun i turn on the no lose mode each time uh That's fair. no i've beaten garden knight siege engine uh the scavenger boss and fought uh ghost lady i guess your god or whatever she is um and then died oh, and i turned yeah. to ghosty foxy boy mm-hmm. and then i stopped when you go into is it the citadel or whatever it is yeah where you're fighting like the the mirror images of you yourself yep um that's where i stopped yeah that's a spooky place oh yeah i wasn't because i was scared it was more so i was just kind of like i just i just drifted that <laughs> as much as i like that game and i do like that game like i i was i was surprised it was on the list uh i was surprised by kind of where the game went 
um like when you fought that final when you fight the 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 ghosty fox tall the tall fox lady the tall foxy lady um i was like okay this is the final boss time like this is mm-hmm. end of the game or whatever like the game felt long enough at that point not like it overstayed its welcome but it's like okay this felt like a the full experience that's fine and then like secrets will come after i guess and then you die to her and i'm like oh this isn't the end of the game there's like a bunch of other stuff yeah um and obviously i don't know how far that goes because the the cathedral happens relatively soon after um you fight her i guess i also fought that librarian person or whoever it is you fight on the top of that tower yeah i was gonna say i think that's before that so you probably yeah. did that part yeah um and but yeah like i felt like i had a pretty full experience up until that point and i was like oh cool there's more and then i don't know i guess i just wasn't there wasn't a lot pulling me there i feel like i'm being very negative about this game but like i enjoy <laughs> the vibes are immaculate the vibes are stupendous but i'm i think there is a latent anxiety of the point of the game where I'm going to check out mm. where, where I am like, it's going to be okay. Like you've quote unquote finished the game and also look at all the weird glyphs everywhere. Look at the mystery surrounding that. And I'm like, I don't, f- uh. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want okay. like, cause I already had this experience. I, you know, to be real critical about it. I think, I don't think ARGs are dumb. But I think ARGs shouldn't be treated as the real experience of the game. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't think if I say, oh, I played yada, yada, whatever, whatever. I mean, we've had this discussion multiple times about Inscription, but it's like, yeah, I played Inscription. I was like, oh, did you do all the ARG stuff? It's like, well, no. It's like, well, then did you really play Inscription? It's like, fuck off. <laughs> um, you know, I... <laughs> I play Undertale. And it's like, oh, well, did you play Undertale multiple times to do the pacifist run and the yada, yada, yada? I was like, no. It's like, well, you did really play Undertale. Well, fuck off. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, my my experiences with games, like, it's it's a classic Sam Barlow Steam thread. It's like, you know, you stop when you're satisfied. When do I know when I'm satisfied? Like, I I I don't like when other people's when 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 a game has like a lot to offer mm-hmm. it would be like completionist saying you don't really experience the game in, unless you do every side quest you 100 percent and you get a platinum trophy you know what i mean right like and i think i've been through that cycle so many times that tunic just became unfortunately caught in the crossfire where it's like i'm enjoying tunic but also there's just going to be a point where this is like, I'm going to have to sit down with pen and paper and try to translate all this sh- shit. And, you know, I don't know how easy or difficult it is. Cause it certainly wasn't easy in, in Fez. Um, so I just did not get interested in it. Um, so, okay. I'm going to do my best here not to give it away. Um, and I, I, I like promise I'm going to try really hard not to here. Um, I had sort of split the game into two halves. One where I was playing kind of like a classic Zelda title-ish thing uh, with with Metroid Brainia elements. And there's a point where 
And I'm pretty sure several times in the manual, you've already seen this reference. So it's not a spoiler to say this, but when you learn what the golden cross is, you mean the golden path? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. When I hear you learn people what, reference that a lot. When you learn what the golden path is, that's the second half of the game. Yeah. That, cause Harris asked me, cause he saw where I was and he was like, Oh, so you, so you don't know what the golden path is? Like, no, I like I've I've heard of it. Like, people talk about it, but I have no idea what it is. And he's like, you're so close. You're so close <laughs> to that. Like, <laughs> revealing what that is. You are pretty close. It's shortly after you like enter the the ghost world, and I I think what Tunic does really really well is normally I have not felt a like like as much as I find this to be a special thing, I don't usually write down notes on pen and paper for a game. Um, Tunic has a way of making it very easy to do pen and paper notes and have it all kind of flow within the regular gameplay as, as it's going. So like, you don't have to really go out of your way too hard to make sure that you're getting the best possible ending. And I think what's more is getting that best possible ending. It's worth it for like, a number of reasons. Uh, one of which being it completely skips the final boss. Hmm. So you don't have to fight at all. Um, another being the the joy of solving that puzzle, that particular puzzle and how well it is ingrained into the entirety of the game is not to be understated. Yeah. Like I think, I think the, like it's it's not an ARG. You don't have to really go outside of it for sure. anything. There is a tunic ARG, but as yeah, far as I can it's, tell, it's not a big deal, right? <laughs> and, and, I, and 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 the language stuff also feels optional. And I, I don't know if that's the case or not. By yeah, the end you, of the game, you never need to translate the language, right? Um, but in in and so so everything up until that point is great. Like I think the way it the game does not i think i obviously the the manual is a is a great uh design solution for like introducing ideas and it's all broken up so you have to find the pages so it's like you know you don't know that you can sprint at the beginning of the game and you mm-hmm. don't know that you can pray at altars and buy upgrades that way like i think that's all genius and i think even down to the i guess you would call them like um <coughs> uh uh the the equipment cards right so it's like you go into the scavenger area and you're like losing health left and right and you have no idea why and you're like what's this weird like coaster that i have in yeah. my inventory that has like a picture of one of the scavengers and he's like oh you equip that and it becomes a mask and you can use that in the area and you won't take you won't take damage over time there, there's a good amount of like allowing for experimentation in this game right um, and just like self-discovery and it's like that's why it's that's why the game was originally called Secret Legend, right? Because it was like right. borrowing from those ideas of what old games had of like the myth making of old games. And like, you know, there was so unless you bought a strategy guide, like you didn't know about the second quest in Zelda one. Right. And it's like that's something right. you, you heard through hearsay and, you know, pre-internet. That's something and, like, and I think specifically like this is also trying to emulate a game with like a foreign language manual. 
So sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 I can see that. You know. Um. But I think of things like you know the classic, uh, Mew under the pickup truck, right? Yeah. In, yeah. In Pokemon, which is you know a lie. It's it's, it's urban. <laughs> it's a video game urban legend. But I think what Tunic does is it trades in those styles of urban legends. It's like, oh, I hear if you do this. Yeah, you know, think of the first person that ever discovered the Konami code in a video game, right? Or ever pulled off a... Mr. Konami. Uh, yes, Mr. Konami himself. Or like a fatality in one of the early Mortal Kombats. Like, and and who knows if that stuff was like actually just done, like someone just was told it or like in a very early like internet, like a BBS or message board or someone, someone was just flat out told how to do it from like a developer or something like who knows. But like for a lot of people that just happened through happenstance. Right. And the stuff in tunic is not all through happenstance It's through the player using their brain and logicking out and trying to glean information from the manual. Right. But it still trades in that kind of beautiful discovery um and that's the part of tunic i really like i just think more so from a cultural standpoint i think uh players i think we've run out of ways to entertain ourselves as players because (laughs) everything can be answered so quickly via the internet so the solution that indie developers have have created and some non-indies so like kojima with the pt uh demo or whatever the solution that they've derived is like, okay, we're going to have like super, super dense, difficult, uh, um, like, you know, clear as mud puzzles as like an extra layer to our game that you basically can only solve via the, the brute force of a mass of people on the internet doing. Hmm. Um, you know, it's the million typewriters, million monkeys thing, right? Sure. And that stuff does not appeal to me whatsoever. At all. Yeah. At all. I I like I don't like it and I don't like It's another uh, knock against Dark Souls for you. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, absolutely. Leaving messages for each other, fuck that. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if it's, it's like contained a... within the game, that's fine. Sure, like sure. I think, but I think once you like have to have like this the, the, meta the, the element, the communal like lore building and 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 like puzzle solving. That sure, all and those I mean, games still kind of I mean, have, yeah. Well, I mean, and lore doesn't even bother me. Like I'll fucking read a video game. I'll, I'll read a fandom wiki till the cows oh, yeah. come home. <laughs> That's true. But it's it's more so like. It, it, it's more so like the puzzle making that's something like the witness trades in, right? Where it's like the mm-hmm. witness is like, you will only solve this through like painstaking hours of trial and error because we're not going to give you any any slack in figuring this out. We're not going to give you any chance or, right. or any hints or anything. Um, and that's what the language stuff in like a fez or a tunic feels like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So So don't worry too much about translating the language i think everything that translating the language is for is is silly optional stuff like finding mew under a truck that that's that's all the language translating will get you um and as soon as i learned that huge weight off my back there was still plenty of game to kind of explore and plenty of puzzle to unpick without having to worry about the language and then if you are still interested at the end, like I was, I just like went and looked up how, what other people had solved already as far mm-hmm. as like 
translating the guide. But yeah, so I yeah. still really like Tunic. Yeah. Tunic good. Tunic, Play tunic. good. Um, I think I'll probably just talk about one more game. Okay. Um, and I think I'll probably talk about Rogue Legacy 2. All right. Are you a, are you a Rogue Legacy fan, Alex? I, I don't know if I would call myself a fan, but I'm very familiar, and it always looks pretty great. Yeah, so Rogue like Oh, go ahead. I, I, I just... I think... Um, I don't know what it is, but like 2D platformer games automatically kind of turn off a part of my brain that powers my interest in things. Um, and that's why we can never be best friends. I know. I know. I, I'm a 3D boy. I like my 3D worlds. And I uh, I like... And I mean, that's not to say I don't like 2D games, obviously. Like, I hold Cave Story in such high regard. I loved Undertale. Um, bullshit game. I'm just going to shake my head at you and move on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like Rogue Legacy 2 looks awesome, wonderful, great. And too many times have I just looked at it and thought like, yeah, but it's not for me. Yeah. I mean, that it, was a lot of time spent on why I don't play Rogue <laughs> Legacy. <laughs> Go ahead. It is. I mean, but Rogue Legacy does, I mean, for me, have, have that stickiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the first roguelike I ever played. Um because I was not a Splunky fan, I did not enjoy Splunky. Splunky's hard. Uh, Splunky's yeah, so like 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 not just hard but dense. Yeah, it, I just don't like the game feel. Like I don't like his shitty little jump, and <laughs> it's it's just not a fun game for me. Sure. Um, one day Derek, you'll will put out a game that I like, but it's it's not Splunky. Until then, keep doing what you're doing, Derek. You. Yeah. Um. And then. I, I forget what other roguelikes were like. In Dungeon the... was a hit for you, I think. Well, we talked about I, that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking pre Rogue Legacy one. Like, oh, okay, gotcha, the, gotcha. What were the rogue like? Was was Binding of Isaac pre Rogue Legacy one? That's oh yeah, yeah. And I never played Binding of Isaac, but the the art style of Binding of Isaac grosses me out. Yeah, so you don't, don't need to. That's fine. Um, and it's eight different sequels. <coughs> or expansions yeah. or whatever the hell they are. Um. But yeah, so I really like Rogue Legacy One. It just it had that oh, just one more run uh feel to it where where it it runs were if you died it was like ah bummer and it never felt like you were uh sending yourself back too much and it and it really introduced that persistent upgrade stuff that obviously Gungeon and Hades also also trade in. Um, and like the, the, the ancestral aspect or the generational aspect where it's like every new person you played and subsequent runs were descendants of the previous person you played, uh, and that there are different classes you could unlock. And so like every time you start a new run, you picked one of three descendants and they all had different classes and some of the classes were better towards, Oh, this is going to be a loop based run with like the miner because the miner can like see where all the chests are on the map so you could just go and grab all the chests and get as much gold as possible mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of a lot of fun to it it's also a pretty difficult game i don't think i ever beat a single boss in rogue legacy one uh and i'm pretty sure you had to b- beat all the bosses in a single run 
that might be false that might not be the case uh but i wouldn't know because i never beat any of the bosses <laughs> and uh in rogue legacy 2 that's definitely not the case if you beat a boss once they're permanently beaten um and they've like doubled the amount of bosses i think or they they've increased them so it's like it used to be four and then a final boss and one and now it's like six to eight or something and then a final boss cool and there's a there's a bunch of lore that's not very good and not very interesting um but it's it's really is that that stickiness and that exploration you know it's it's a roguelike castlevania that has it just makes it really interesting and then and, and the game feels pretty pretty good um and yeah it's just it's like one of the it's one of the last games that i was a really big fan of the first year we started doing the podcast but like we didn't do any sort of like end of the year wrap up talking about games we really enjoyed um and it's funny it's like by now every game that i really enjoyed from that year has had a sequel (laughs) (laughs) has had a reason to talk about uh the game again so it's like super mario maker rogue legacy what else did i really enjoy that year uh shadow mordor um no no new splinter cell yet but one day one day i mean you got metal gear yeah okay (laughs) um i I did like mgs5 the the small part i played of it but yeah rogue legacy just another great um roguelike that i really enjoy uh i definitely recommend the no clip documentary where they interview the devs for that I did really enjoy that, yeah. Um, because they kind of go into like how they kind of miss they 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 uh, they how to phrase this they did not properly plan their their early access like we talked about earlier. Um, they kind of went in with less amount of content than I guess people that play early access games kind of expect at this point in the life cycle of early access mm-hmm. um they uh put out that game between rogue legacy one and two full metal furies that apparently did not do well at all and it kind of like wow. put them First in i've a, heard of that yeah i remember, I remember hearing about it. i never played it i think it's kind of like a turn-based tactics i think it's like kind of like I mean, not tactics in the way I was going to make a comparison to advanced wars, but it's definitely like you have a party. So it's like mm-hmm. a JRPG style turn based. Um, but all your characters are like fusiliers and like all military themed. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's rogue legacy. Um, yeah. Uh, but well, hold on. Let me take a step back. Um, no, yeah, that's rogue legacy. We don't need to talk about the documentary anymore. Uh, just go check it out. Definitely. I I always think back to the tweet where they showed like how they fudge their animations yeah. using 3D models on a 2D plane and the guy's elbow being like five yards behind his body when he's pulling the arrow back. I, I really enjoy a lot of um what that game does. Yeah, they interviewed the animator in that dock and i think he was he worked on some other game 
Um, God, let me find it. Credits. Let's see if I can do this real quick. Blah, 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 blah. Do I just have to go to Moby Games? Is that the... <laughs> Moby Games. Rogue Legacy 2. Come on, come on. Uh, credits. Great. No one, they haven't put credits on movie games for it. Great. Fucking fantastic. Thanks so much. Well, <sighs> but anyways, that's it, unfortunate. I, he was, he was like a solo dev or like, you know, the main dev on some other game. He had some other game that he like mostly created and then they reached out to him. Um, yeah. But I remember, remember seeing his game and like recognizing it. I was like, oh, that's smart. Reaching out to him to like help like, because they wanted to do a visual upgrade because the first one was pixel art. And yeah, they have this kind of like uh, more vector-based um, look in the second one. But like you said, it's 3D models that are masked to look 2D. Yeah. It's very cool stuff. Yeah. Rogue Legacy 2. Rogue Legacy 2. The sequel uh, to Rogue Legacy. Alex. Yes, sir. Do you want to talk about Splat Splatoon Splatoon 3? Yeah, uh, I would love to talk about Splatoon Trace. I this is so. I guess we're gonna, we're gonna leave it off with a little bit about Splatoon Three here, um, which I so I I have a, I have a question actually leading into this, Dylan. What um what what turns you off of Splatoon? Because I feel like a Nintendo shooter. Have you have you had any? Have you tried Splatoon? Do you do you know if you uh, like it or don't? I pl- I played a Splatfest uh for two, I think. Um one of the like free trial ones before the game was out. Okay. Um I I don't mind Splatoon. Okay. I, okay. I just I just don't think I don't think there's anything that's like super drawn me towards it. Though from sure. what I've heard, people love this third one, especially the single player for some reason, which was surprising to hear. <laughs> So I, I think the single player, we can touch on that for a little bit. I think the single player in Splatoon games kind of had a a a, a bad reputation in the first and the second. Uh, and, and if you don't know, like the, the core conceit behind all of them is still largely the same. They kind of instead of playing like a story mode where you go from a, a set piece to a set piece and plot takes place within them as well as action that you can participate in as a player. Um, they're more like Mario levels where each... Now you're speaking my language. Yeah. Like, like I honestly think you might kind of enjoy it where each one is... It's it's like there's worlds and each world has like a, a series of little challenges in it. Like um, challenge... Uh, like 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 level two four is there's this big moai head statue in the middle of the room and you have like three minutes to cover it entirely in paint um there's like combat puzzles and there's platforming puzzles but they all play very much kind of like how more recent mario games will take a mechanic introduce it to you at the beginning and and slowly the level is just like an exploration of that mechanic until it reaches like a crescendo, right? And then it's done and you move on and there's a new thing next. Um, and so, but that's kind of like all they were for the first one and the second one with this loose underlying plot about um, there's the, the idols are secret agents. Their dad is Captain Cuttlefish. 
He's been leading like the secret war against the evil Octarians for several years. And you are, since Callie and Mary are agents one and two, you are going to become agent three and help them out. Is that uh, what the Octo expansion was? Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. <clears throat> so then like, you know, at the end you fight uh, DJ Octavius, uh, who is the, the leader of the Octarians. And that, that's, that's kind of it. Um, and then Splatoon 2 kind of did the same thing, but instead of Agent 3, there was like a fun little bit of continuity where they played around with the fact that like, you know, uh, you Agent 3 was the past game. You're Agent 4 now. This this person you're playing as is a whole wholly new character um, who is unrelated. Um, and then like the Octo expansion came out for Splatoon 2. And the Octo expansion kind of proved that they could be doing a whole lot more with this where it, it played in deeper storytelling waters and established a kind of like baseline going forward as far as how these characters uh, grow and evolve. Octo expansion said, hey, you've got an Octarian that you're going to play as and you're kind of going to see things from the other side. And uh, the new idols, Pearl and Marina, are going to be trying to break you out of the sort of like the uh, the Octarian stronghold uh, because they believe that like the war is kind of stupid as opposed to like the original two idols and their dad fighting the secret underground war. Uh, instead, you should be like trying to leave and, and proving to the world that Octarians aren't just like war driven uh weirdos that kicked off a a whole series of again mario-esque levels but like every between each like world or so uh, a good bit of lore was was played with and and molded by interactions between your character and uh the idols and uh and the game that expansion actually culminates in this whole fight with uh, a, a a man, well, an AI who goes by Captain Tartar, who's like one of the last remnants of humanity, who who thinks that like uh, uh, the the aqu- the aquatic life forms that have taken over the world have not done a great job. Um, he was supposed to find the perfect life form to, to bestow humanity's gifts upon them. And instead he's like, but you're also vain. All you care about is like fashion and winning <laughs> strange sport events. And like, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and it reminds like, you of someone, doesn't it? <laughs> it's really like beautifully uh, wrapped up in, in, in like the, the, the greater mythos and like the final boss ends up being um, it actually like resurrects the Statue of Liberty and is going to like blow it up because there's like a nuke in the Statue of Liberty um, to, to, to like reset the world all over again. This this rogue AI. I, I So anyway, that was a lot about Octo expansion. Splatoon 3 plays in that same space. Uh, at this point in time, Agent 3 has become the new captain, so they are just the captain, um, and Captain Cuttlefish is just Mr. Cuttlefish. He's, like, retired because the war against the Octarians is over. Uh, but there's this new threat, 
uh, and racist old grandpa is like, it's Nocturians again. They're back, but it's not. I never trusted uh, them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, DJ Octavio shows up and he's like, you know, why'd you steal all my my crew? Like, yeah, it's out. Oh, so there's clearly like a like a third party afoot here. Um, and uh, you go through like the whole sequence and it's cool it's like a, an underground bunker area that you stumble upon in in the splatlands which are kind of like a mad max wasteland area of the map of the world map at this point um you you crash through like this crater and you find this this gigantic underground dome that was like humanity's last bastion uh before they all completely died out and so you get like some logs of of how they lived down there and and what they did to survive um which evidently involved a lot of 3d printing i don't know why but i guess someone on splatoon crew like thought 3d printing was like really really cool and so it's the future man they they 3d printed like all their homes their towers a lot of like little because they were trapped in an underground dome like uh easter island moai statues um uh, other landmarks like the leading tower of pisa like like crappy 3d printed versions are like littering the landscape which is neat just as like a visual motif of like you know this was humanity trying to um remember their history and like their final moments right you go through all of these levels and the finale is fantastic spoiler warning here oh we're way um, past that man <laughs> I sure think. yeah um but uh, uh, there's there's so there's a, a new mode that I got introduced in Splatoon two. It's the horde mode called Salmon Run. Yeah, which and was Sam- which was timed right. It was like <coughs> it was like on a schedule. Yeah, you couldn't always do it. You can't always do it now in Splatoon three, thankfully. Um, but it, I mean, it was open fairly often. It was like every other week or so. Sure, it's just it's another. It's this isn't me trying to like take Splatoon three down a peg. It's mostly like what a bananas design choice that only nintendo would make because yeah they they think the internet is like built on paper clips and rubber bands like yeah it's it's a finite resource we can't just keep handing that out yeah 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 yeah. uh (laughs) so yeah it's it's a fully thing like realized thing now that you can just do whenever but anyway um salmon run is like you go and you fight salmon who are underdeveloped aquatic life forms in comparison to you guys um wow talk about being racist yeah i'm sorry it's just the truth they, they, they act very zombie i'm sorry man but this is <laughs> you know it's just science it's just science that the, the the squid kids are just genetically superior to the salmon <laughs> look man they 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 act very zombie like they just kind of like rush the beaches uh in in hordes and you gotta like mow them down and steal their eggs for for one mr grizz who is mysterious and only talks to you from like behind a, a telephone um a telephone oddly carved in the shape of a bear hmm uh-huh. i wonder who mr Briz- grizz could be i wonder what that's all about so anyway splatoon 3 when you reach the climax, it's like a big rocket ship in the center of the whole dome, right? Uh, you find that the person behind all of this is one Mr. Grizz, who at this point 
has like perfected a formula for this stuff and this stuff is like turned up everywhere as like a kind of new level hazard you have to be aware of but um they call it fuzzy ooze and it's like a purplish slime that also is occasionally like speckled with patches of brown fur great um yeah uh if you touch it it turns you into a mammal you become a big fuzzy ball with like um regular human limbs and eyes so the uh, worst curse imaginable yeah it mammalizes you it it, which is awful you don't want to do that if you're a squid um and anyway uh you've you've like come to find the old uh mr cuttlefish has like been uh murdered kind of um he gets brought back later it's fine but uh he's he's like dehydrated so they turn him into like literally like a crispy wafer of a squid uh um and and it's like I was like oh my god who could be behind this and then they, like the camera pans up and there's a giant fucking bear like lashed onto the side of the rocket ship and um, if you're not familiar all of Salmon Run is coated in this this thin veneer of like a uh, uh, bizarre corpo speak like like it all hinges on this this. Uh, um, someone like being very nostalgic for the way like old businesses worked uh in in splatoon 2 like all of the rankings in salmon run like the better you got at it your rank would go up and it would go from like you know um from like a from like an intern to a go-getter to a professional uh to an executive vp um and and uh, he, Mr. Grizz would say things at the end of, of Salmon Run's like, you know, like this is going to go in your performance eval, you know, and like, <laughs> and, and, and he's like sitting there on the rocket ship and he starts talking and it's like all of this, this, this corpo speak from a bear about to like unleash the mammal apocalypse upon the earth. He's like, I'm going to coat everything in fuzzy ooze and turn all of you weird aquatic creatures into mammals because mammals are the way things should be and it's which is fucking hilarious and and he's like talking about how like you know and like please don't call it um like the like the fuzz apocalypse um pr doesn't care for it (laughs) (laughs) um i think like like the finale is literally like you have to fly up like he he blasts off into space and you have to fly up after him uh, after being given a spacesuit and like a a something to fly on by the the new trio of idols, they they show up periodically throughout the story. And uh, uh, the boss fight against Mister Grizz is wonderful. They play like a remix of the Salmon Run music that I can't get out of my head. Um, I think he opens the fight with like you know like you're a very productive worker. You deserve a break. Now come here so I can break you like. It's just little great stuff like that. And I it's a bombastic finale that I think continues to prove that Splatoon is trying harder and harder with every little with every campaign to to play in in more fun territory with their stories um to create characters that keep having like little moments of of great humor i i oh god i have to mention that um so agent three being a previously a player character is mute right doesn't talk yeah like like red in pokemon gold and silver right um and when 
there's like in the final sequence where everyone is cheering for you, there's a button in the game where if you're like in a, a, a regular old turf war or whatever game mode, you can press a button to booyah. It just makes the word booyah appear above your character. It like signals it to the rest of your team. So like everyone else can booyah back and like you can share a moment of camaraderie. It's like one of the little slivers of communication Nintendo allows <laughs> yeah. in an online game here, right? Um, everyone's cheering for you, like like with dialogue and everything and animations. And, and like you're like uh, the, the captain previously, Agent 3, is just like sitting there and like the word booyah, like it does in the game, just like flashes above their head suddenly. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's very good. I do appreciate when games have kind of like that uh, mechanical consistency, like <laughs> that kind of folds into storytelling like that, right? Because yeah. like that character does that because he used to be a player character, but it's not anymore. You know, <laughs> when you find red and Mount silver and you talk to him, all he says is three ellipses because player character in Pokemon red and blue never spoke. Right. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. That's cool. And, that- yeah. And I mean like everything else about Splatoon is here. If you liked turf four, it's got turf four. If you like the competitive aspect, if you're not familiar, it's, it's, you ink turf so that you can move through it. Swimming through turf that you've inked is both a way to like heal, reload, and move faster. Um, a so I've often lived by the philosophy that a shooter is um, a, a like the the keys to a great FPS are, are like good movement, a good goal that isn't just like murder, but like give give a team objective that's fun to work for. <laughs> says the guy that always wants to play Slayer in Halo. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm That's I'm not completely s- antithetical to the point you just made. I play other things too and I like them for what they are. Mm-hmm. I just look. Sometimes you want to just go with classic Slayer some it doesn't mean I don't like other things. So boring though. I I I like hot goose grabbers. That's a great mode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Fred Woods, <laughs> Goose Grabbers. Very own Goose Grabbers. Um, and I think what makes Splatoon special in my eyes is it found a way to more closely entwine those things than any other shooter I think I've ever played. Like, inking turf is the objective, and inking turf is also how you move, Right. Like it, 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 it builds on that and it wraps it all together and it what it creates is something that, that feels like a, a tactical shooter and a movement shooter, like all in one. And then on pours over top of that like this this incredible style, this this hip hop, jazz, skate punk infused, rebellious urban youth style and it's just everywhere the color the the graffiti the way that like people can write posts in still like this was a meverse thing when it was on the wii u but they kept it going forward because it was so core to like the whole thing was that people would be able to submit things and like it would just show up in the world as like either graffiti or like over a character's head what was the one that you tweeted very early in splatoon 3's release oh it was like something about mcdonald's or something yeah, I um some 
I think the the timing was important because it was a video clip that someone had recorded of like um I they'll they'll find lots of new ways to incorporate these posts throughout the game world as the games go on and and in this year's iteration during Splatfest which are the the citywide festivals um, where everyone gets together to play like special game modes and there's lots of color and sound to it they have drones in the air flying around to like form the posts. So the video was of someone looking up just as like the drones were kind of like in a ball and then about to form a post. And then they formed the post and it's like a stick figure saying like, my mom left me at McDonald's, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful community that you get sucked into with these games first and foremost. Uh, it's, it's hella gay. Everyone's into, you know, what what what's kind of sexualities are all these characters and and like you know like it's it's a colorful game about squids. Why wouldn't it be gay? It's one. It's it's great. Um, it's probably like the most. Uh, there there was even like a whole debacle earlier this month where they uh when Nintendo first announced the idols and Shiver was being given they them pronouns by most official, um. Uh 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 what would you call outlets Mm -hmm. uh and that was like enough to spark like this whole like you know like see like nintendo supports how gay splatoon is and um i think they had i think it was just getting too out of hand or or like too loud and nintendo had to come out and be like shivers she she her sorry like (laughs) i don't i don't know where the confusion came from but it was just like this whole scenario, but it still feels like, you know, it's a big part of how much that team loves like the, the counterculture that runs through Splatoon that they do seem to try and, and throw a lot of little things. Like there was a lot of little hints in Splatoon too, that Pearl and Marina are in a more than just friends relationship. Hmm. Yeah. Someone will, will discover them in an archeological dig centuries from now and just be like, they'll be there skeletons will be wrapped around each other and be like oh they were just friends yeah yeah exactly (laughs) oh god so yeah i i i think there's not much else i could say about splatoon that hasn't already been said it is still very much splatoon um they balanced everything a whole lot tighter on launch this time so there's been a whole lot more variety in weapons that i've seen which is good um the maps are a little blander. That's about all I could say as far as criticism. It's great. I think love Splatoon. Uh, it, in regards to maps, I feel like I don't know. Map making is hard. <laughs> like level design yeah. is, is hard. But also, I don't know. I always saw so much frustration levied at the maps in uh, Halo Infinite, and I think part of that came from how few there were. Yeah, but I don't know. I I. I think in this case, it's there's there's quite a few. I think it launched with like 15 or so, maybe 12, 12 or 15. Um, and the, they all just kind of play the same, though, is the problem. I think it's hard to make uh, innovate on maps that are that heavily require uh, territory control. So you can't yeah. make asymmetric maps, which is like kind of the bread and butter of a good multiplayer map when you don't you know, when you have some sort of like one-sided objective or something like that, but all Splatoon is territory control, so you can't really, you can't really do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll find a way. Life finds a way. Inklings find a way. It's true. They do. Um, they, they continue to thwart 
everyone who has tried to do an apocalypse to them. From grizzly bears to rampant AIs to everything a, in between. Yeah. Um, salmon, apparently. Salmon. I don't trust salmon. <laughs> Can't trust them salmon. Uh, well, cool. That's Splatoon 3. I think that's a great place to end uh, yeah. this long winding. We wanted to do a shorter one these, this time. I think we did pretty it, good. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> At two and a half hours, you think we succeeded there? Well, how much of that was us needing to take a break for either a cat or... Um, I don't know. Well, those all get edited out, Alex, so they wouldn't they wouldn't know that. Well, right. But that's what I'm saying. It's not going to be two hours and 30 minutes at the end of this. Unless we keep going. Sure. Sure. Well, let's <laughs> keep going. No. Um, uh, yeah. So another another episode, another year in the books over here at War Games HQ. Wow. Um, we uh, I'm going to continue doing game development. Um Alex will continue to do game development. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we'll check in every once in a while again in the new year with a recording. I, I sure hope so. And it's, you know, I you owe me one about Tunic and Perfect Tide. So ah, we'll, shit. we'll get to that. Oh, you promise. Shit. It's on yeah. recording. It's on the it's recording. Go live. Unless Everyone I cut, will unless, know. Unless I cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wait, shit! I forgot. <laughs> he edits them. Yeah, gotta edit them um could you imagine if this thing went up unedited god it'd be a nightmare oh my god yeah uh uh don't do that (laughs) (laughs) well well, alex um where can people find you when you're not on a podcast talking about usual yeah well uh as usual for the foreseeable future um (laughs) come find me on twitter until it's turned into a wasteland until it until it implodes due to yep Elon Musk's incompetence. Yep. Uh, I am at G-H-O-D-A-N with an underscore. That's Godan with an underscore. Uh, and I'm occasionally on Twitch uh, at Brandier underscore games. Underscore games. games. Uh, we we streamed the Game Awards together. The other... We did. That was a great time. It was fun. Uh, I don't know how Twitch works, so that stream is gone forever. <laughs> Not, yeah, like wait a minute why are we mentioning this no one can find it anymore <laughs> it is it is <laughs> if you saw it live congratulations thank you're you. one of the few <laughs> yeah uh maybe we'll try that again sometime and actually maybe <laughs> have the settings set up properly I, I i i will say i was i was laughing with a friend at the moment where we um were cracking on that generic third person shooter <laughs> game only to find out at the end it was a transformers yeah. game rule like what oh hey yeah cool oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah i'm interested I'm like man what is this bullshit gears of war oh nice <laughs> I, I i liked when we were both like wow this game this other game that has this trailer that we're watching sure has big destiny vibes and then it ends with destiny 2 <laughs> it was a destiny what, whatever the fuck the expansion is called and we're like huh okay oh yeah all right guess, guess it was destiny vibes guess that's why uh yeah so um you can also find me on twitter until twitter no longer exists uh at dylan alvento and if you like this podcast you will listen to any of our other podcasts you can find them at ward-games.com or on twitter at ward video games or wherever podcasts are found just search wardcast they'll bring up this podcast as well as our other podcast uh attract mode where we continue to watch terrible terrible video game movies uh 
But this Mario Brothers movie, it might be okay. Who knows? It's all right. It yeah. looks like everything except Chris Pratt is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, all right, Alex. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your year. And I'll see you next time. I'll see you then, buddy. Bye. Peace out.